Welcome to Deconstructing Damsels, where we talk about how awesome women are, how much the guys suck, and why in the world is this a romance podcast? Is everybody ready to get started and to have fun and discussing Little Red Riding Hood in a western? In a fairy tale setting and not done by ABC? I know, right? It's a little strange. But let's get started. Oh, and I totally apologize for the weird echoey, like, buzzing noise thing. That's totally just my computer doing its own thing. Today's featured book is Little Red by Carolyn Lee, and it's set in the Wyoming Territory in 1875, I think. It's got Little Red Riding Hood meets Maverick, the James Garner version, not, not the Mel Gibson one, meets, I don't know, every fairy tale ever. Oh, I know, Babes in Toyland. That's what it reminds me of a little bit, Babes in Toyland. Barrymore version with Keanu Reeves. Okay, so how the book starts. We meet Red or Rojito. I'm saying that completely wrong because my Spanish sucks. I'm sorry. But we meet her in the desert where a horse has thrown her and she's on the run, leaving the safety of civilization behind in an effort to get home to Everland where her granny and all her siblings await. But will she make it? That's when Hank Cutter sets in, and Hank Cutter is a bounty hunter, and this is kind of the meet cute where he calls her Red, and she looks up at him like, how do you know me? And it turns out she's got this burgundy gorgeous hair and these big bright blue eyes, and he says, when she calls her grandmother Abuela, he says, oh, you can't be Mexican. I, You don't look Mexican. And she starts, you know, fussing at him in some great Spanish. And I went, Sound, sounds right. If you're raised in a language, you can pick it up pretty fast. And she met Abuela when she was about five or six. So there's this whole connection there to her not-so-literal Spanish roots. To start with, Red is very impetuous. She wants to do things. She wants to get them done. They've got to be now, now, now. And, you know, that can be great and it can be a clusterfuck. Thankfully for her, for the most part, it kind of hits middle of the road there. And she's also very strong-willed and independent. She's got her own mind. She wants to be a teacher. She wants to help take care of her siblings because her granny collects them like some people collect Hummel figurines. And her grandmother, Abuela, is more like a mix of uh, Old Mother Hubbard and the granny from Little Red Riding Hood. Actually, what Lee does really well in this book is she kind of creates this very intermingled and interconnected and not just what you would expect to be from the fairy tale worlds when she's creating this magical little town in the middle of Wyoming in the 1800s. And it's just got this great feel to it. And so her abuela is very special, very important. But there's someone that's coming after her, someone that her grandfather knew. 
or knew of. And he's a really dark and dangerous guy called El Lobo. Obviously the wolf from the wolf part of that fairy tale. And Hank Cutter, the bounty hunter again, has found him before and he's been shot by him. So there's a little bit of tug and pull in that, but it's a really great setup how they meet and how they find out and like they both decide they really don't like beans from a can over a campfire and can't really blame them. The horse she has, by the way, is not hers. It's one she stole from El Lobo when he was kind of propositioning her on the train trying to get all her stuff. Really not a good guy. And I really like the fact that, you know, she's got that ability to kind of think on her feet and run with it. Originally, her name was Mary, but Abuela had like at least three more Marys or Marias or Marians or some form of mare in there. So she called her Little Red because of that deep, gorgeous hair. And so she's got this fiery streak and there's this love and compassion, but there's also this naivety and, and innocence. And I think that because she's in her early 20s sometimes i think she doesn't really work with hank cutter because of that there's a little bit of life experience difference that probably should be talked about a little bit more but you know it is what it is and she's also kind of again naive and that kind of pushes and pulls with with hank because as a bounty hunter he's definitely seen a lot and i want to know what attracted him so quickly to her but that it kind of gets glossed over a little bit but what i can appreciate also is the fact that she's cunning and that's what i mean by resourceful like she says oh i'll hire you for a hundred dollars think about that a hundred dollars in 1875 is a lot of money to help me get rid of el lobo and get home safe and so he sets it up and they go about their their trip and he finally gets her to a pretty safe place in Haskell, Colorado. And he's about to leave her and then he meets El Lobo and blah, 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 blah. But she's, you know, smart enough to know that sometimes you have to barter with what you have and sometimes what you don't. And she's wearing this, this beautiful cloak that grandfather bartered with to get something. And the cloak has magical properties, which I'll talk about in a few minutes, but it also contained the, his last will and testament before the bad guy, El Lobo, was coming after him. And I really appreciate the fact that, you know, their resourcefulness seems to be a trait that the grandfather and the grandmother have handed down to these kids that they consider both daughter and granddaughter at the same time because sometimes abuela will call her mija. And so it's a very nice balance on, on that front. Even though, you know, Red doesn't think that abuelo loves her, it's very clear he did. He just was kind of trying to keep them safe. To talk about Hank Cutter a little bit, and he's, I would guess, somewhere in his 30s. I'm not sure if it would be late or mid, but he's got gray in his hair, silver. Because red brings that up a lot, and it kind of squeaks me out, to be honest, just a tiny bit. But what I really appreciate is the fact that he's very, he has his own ethics, and he doesn't push past it. Like, at one point, she realizes she can't pay him. Red realizes she can't pay him, so she offers up her body. And as much as he would like to have sex and he would like to have a more central relationship, he doesn't. He puts the brakes on it because consent is very important. And sometimes I think that's missing in the Western part of the genre, the subgenres. Is you know sometimes consent is very very sexy, especially if they got a big old cowboy hat. And I'm not even a Western person, but apparently I read them occasionally. I also appreciated the fact that. 
you know, he doesn't have his own roots, but he's looking to find them, which kind of makes him push Red away as well because he doesn't want to create something that he can't finish. It's just there's something very strong and and very competent about him, and I appreciate that. I mean, he has no problem shooting a gun or, you know, punching out the bad guy, but he also looks for other options along the way now that he's kind of got the money to create his own peace and, and to create his own family. And when he meets Red's family, he actually joins the family without even thinking about it. You know, he's running over to help the little kids. He's helping do this, that, and the other. Because all her all her siblings, by the way, are people like Mary Contrary, Jack Horner, Little Boy Blue. You can kind of guess how this is going to go. And so it's really nice to kind of see how, you know, Hank Cutter meshes in. Because he's more like the Axeman or the Woodsman, and, but he's kind of like a good mixture of both. He, he intersects like a lot of the characters do within the Everland world that's being set up. Because this is the first book in a series, and I'm definitely going to read another part of the series. Like, probably the Beauty and the Beast one, because I was really into Vincenzo's... Vin, Vin, Vincent, because I can't say the name, Vincenzo's uh, world and, and how he felt as a musician. But Hank has got a very, he's strong-rooted, and, you know, he doesn't have any roots, but yet he's very strong-rooted, and I think that's a really good counter to her impetuousness and, and her responses, like her instant responses. I really like the way it's set up, again, ignoring the icky age issues, but I really enjoy the way that it's set up. I enjoy the fact that they're slowly kind of turning into their own characters, they're finding their own ways and they're looking for something that's just a little bit better. He's kind of like that tried and true character and I, I think it also balances out what you see with like Obuela too because Obuela sees that competency and goes, okay, this will be a person that will take care of my daughter, my granddaughter, however you want to put her. And I think that's really important to her because there's a, there's a point in her conversation with Red where Obuela says... And this is what I like the best. You are bold and reckless and you act before you think. Rojita wanted to close her eye, close her ears to Abuela's words to not hear them. But the old woman lifted her chin higher, stroking a withered hand across her cheek. But you are also brave and kind and sweet. And you throw yourself into your work and you love just like you throw yourself into danger. You are passionate. You used to give me fits, Miha, but I loved you through it all. It shows how close they are, how much they depend on each other, how they work out. Because Red has been in college, again, to be a teacher. She wants to help keep the orphanage up, which is shaped like a shoe because <laughs> their last name is Zapatos. You know, it's like they've created a whole new world where they're cobblers, even though he was once, Abuela was once just a very rich man. But you can definitely see how the story works together. I'm not going to tell you how it ends because it's a freaking fantastic ending, to be honest. That scene, that, that ending scene between the villain and the hero and, and Red and all of that, it, just, it works so well that I don't want to give it away. But you'll definitely find it really interesting and, and I think it satisfies where it needs to satisfy. You know, in the end, the two kind of find their own peace they determine what they want, how they want it. 
And they accept each other. Even though they're just learning each other because they've only known each other a week, they're still accepting and learning and figuring out who they are and what they want to be. I think that's really important too because I think that's part of a relationship when you're first getting together is learning how to balance and how to handle and how to live in that world. Now, I've already told you I'll reread the author and I'll probably reread this book because I think that while some people may want more heat level, this one kind of stays pretty low key. And I appreciate that actually because again, I'm not really a, a sex person. Like I enjoy the, I enjoy the emotional connection. I'm like into emotional foreplay more than anything. But I can really appreciate what, what's coming with this building up and setting up this world where fairy tales are not necessarily what you think they are, but they are. And it's kind of like this nice little mid midway. And the fact that like, Hank is only like a 50% suckage and that's just because I think that there needed to be more expanding of who he was. Other than that, you know, he was actually a really good one. I just wanted to give him a little bit more gray as a bounty hunter. I, I think that this is a really smart book. I think it's really fun. There's a lot of things that made me laugh. Um, Red is, she's not really like Red Riding Hood and uh, Once Upon a Time, although there are some some connections between like a magic cloak because both characters deal with a magic cloak. Lee's red is more about a, um, she's, her cloak is more of a disguise, but not. You'll have to read more to figure out what it does, but there's, there's a lot of very clear signs of magic within the world of Everland and slowly people kind of figure it out. Hank's kind of catching on because he's an outsider, as are the ones that kind of fall in line. Like the, uh, the doctor is called Doc Carpenter. You would assume the doctor would be a doctor, not a carpenter. And it goes, it continues on through that. And there's a lot of like overlap. I wish there'd been more, more connections for Red in the world of women within the magical land of Everland. I think that there needed to be a little bit more connection because you see them like Mary Contrary is her foster sibling, but you don't know a lot about her. You hear about Snow, obviously Snow White, and Ella, Cinderella, but they're not really established in the framework of this story. And I wish there'd been just a little bit more uh, connection because it's very clear that for some, she was taken kind of as a, like a charity case and she's not and that would obviously be Ella's uh, family and the upper echelon of the society that's kind of establishing itself over the years but it's taking away a good bit of the of the joy of the, of the book to me honest like it takes away a, a full star for me because I wanted to see more of Red and how she was and how she interacted with other girls and women besides her family so one final thing I'm going to say, because I'm going to wrap this episode up, because it's a fairly short book. It's only about 150 pages. I will say that if you want to learn more about Little Red Riding Hood or Riding Hood or however you want to call her, there's a great series of podcasts called the University of Oregon's Archetypes and Anarchy. And it's episode 10, and they actually talk about it. And I will link to it on the... But it's this really interesting look in how the archetype works Again, you know, for sexualization, obviously, because El Lobo wanted to either marry or kill Red. So there's that, that thing, you know, that push-pull out of adolescence and into adulthood. And 
the sexualization of realizing she wants Hank, but she doesn't know how to accept that or, you know, and the, the practicality of trading herself for money if it needs to be. Like, there's a lot of that kind of, of archetypal discussion. And they talk about a couple of different other episodes and, and shows and movies, etc. And that... Uh, in that podcast episode that I really think is pretty interesting and I'm going to leave it to you to listen to but I, I think that that kind of helps center some of this book if you read it in that form so in conclusion read this book it's free on Amazon as of right now I don't know for how long it's Little Red by Carolyn Lee Red has got a lot of fire and spit and you know this great ability to be more and she's growing into it and I really like that about her today's featured podcast is Get Grim by Kayla Knight Kayla is a school teacher and she's got this great ability to intersect and interweave and discuss how fairy tales work within each other within the framework of society what they do what they don't do how they impact us, what we learn from it. If you're an academic, it's completely cool. And it's like, it's great and it's fun. And you can see like how things kind of go together. I personally love it. And I think that if you like fairy tales, you're going to love it. If you want to follow her, please follow her at Get Grim Podcast at Twitter. That's where I see her the most. She's on there a fair amount. You can find her on iTunes at Get Grim Podcast. Again, her name is Kayla Knight, as in the guy that carries a sword. I definitely think you should follow. I definitely think you should find out. She kind of works in tandem with Mythical, which I talked about in the last episode, Mating His Huntress, or Mating the Huntress. Sorry, I'm always going to say Mating His Huntress. Okay, two last things, let's be honest. One, I'm going to talk about Sarah Brightman's <laughs> Riding Red, Riding Hood, and Rap again. Because I think it relates to the story. <laughs> you can definitely tell, like, the point of view of El Lobo just from what he's doing, what he says. There's a certain words that I really don't like, like he uses the word puta, which, no, I, no. But you can definitely see how it would work with the Sarah Brightman rap, and I can definitely see this being a little bit more of a uh, a connection. Although the the Brightman rap would probably work even better with Red from Once Upon a Time, as previously discussed. I just think that there would you know be a nice little balance there. So again, go listen. It's from the Symphony Tour. I saw it live. It rocked. Okay, plug over. Two. Here's number two. It's kind of a two-parter for number two, anyway. One, if you want to leave a review, I would love it. I know everyone says it's to find me faster and, and to find the podcast faster or whatever, but mostly I just want to know what you guys are thinking about the podcast. Good or bad, let me know. Either you can rate me on iTunes or wherever you guys listen. You can also hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Damsel's Podcast. I would love to know what you think what you're feeling, you know, if you like an episode, if you don't like an episode. And the other prong to this is there 
is a Patreon, and it's at patreon.com slash damselspodcast, because I try and keep my brain as easy for you guys as possible. It's also my Gmail account, damselspodcast at gmail.com. And if you guys want to sign up, that's great. I still haven't had time to edit that one really long episode. It's not that I haven't tried. It's just work got busy and my days off have been focused on a couple of other things like health for the past couple weeks. But I'm going to get it together as soon as possible. And then we're going to record another one because I have convinced Sven, yes, you know, always hear Sven, to read more books, many, many more books. And many, many different subgenres of romance so we can make it like a fun little game. And those will typically be on the bonus episodes. I just got to get him to read a couple more books. But that won't be that difficult. Partners always have their ways, right? Okay, so now I'm done, guys. I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate all the work you guys put into talking to me, promoting me, um, listening. I truly love that. Oh, and Spoop Hour, those are the best stickers ever. I just wanted you guys to know how much I truly appreciate everything that you guys are doing because doing this on my own, sometimes it can feel a little bit overwhelming. So when you guys give me feedback, even if it's just a follow Friday or talking about me, it truly means the world to me and I cannot thank you enough. So next episode will feature another shapeshifter series because well it's halloween month and what better ever ever better thing to do than to deal with werewolves and love and curses and outer space because the next one is an anthology of random red riding hood comments bye